Hello and welcome to You Gotta Believe, the By The Man Annalise podcast. We are here after a long hiatus. Uh, we didn't even do a podcast to wrap up the World Series. We will talk about that shortly. We are recording this podcast on Saturday, 14th of March. We obviously don't have to talk to you too much about what's been going on. We will touch on it. And then, to be honest, we're just going to shoot the breeze about baseball. We're going to talk about uh, th- we're going to talk about the World Series way, way past its uh, sell-by date. We're going to talk about the Astros cheating and a lot of other things that's been happening over the winter. So uh, I'm Jody Jemison. I support the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm Thomas Frost. I support the New York Mets. And uh, before we talk about that World Series, where obviously a division winner uh, took the World Series crown, the and kind of an upset to be honest, but uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Obviously, uh, the big story you don't need much introduction on that. Uh, from our point of view, uh, it's obviously the right decision. Baseball has been suspended, opening day has been pushed back at least two weeks. The realistic outcome is it's going to be longer than two weeks. Uh, no point in speculating, no point in making guesses about what's going to happen. But I do have an interesting theory that I will post here in a couple of minutes about what we could do in a really shortened season. But yeah, Thomas, baseball season, uh, it's going to be delayed. Yeah, it's it's very, very disappointing, but it, it is the right decision. Um, you know, these are unprecedented times, really. And, and, and yeah, and as you sort of intimated, I don't see it only being a couple of weeks. It's going to be, you know, I, I personally, I don't, uh, you know, I don't want to depress anyone listening, but I, we won't have anything for the next six weeks, as far as I'm concerned, at least. And that is me being as about as optimistic as as I can possibly be about this situation, because this is, as as I've already said, it's so unprecedented. This um, nothing like this has ever happened. I mean, we've had our work stoppages in baseball before, obviously, um, but obviously nothing like this. Um, uh, so you know, we've got to take you know. Just like you know, regular people in regular life, we've just got to take it a week. You know, uh, a week is it a day? It as it comes, a week as it comes. You know, it's trying to carry on best we can. But it, you know, it's it's the right decision. The players they needed um, a quick decision on it, and you know, I applaud um, the powers that be just getting it done early and not you know delaying and you know getting closer and closer to uh, the end of March um, and opening day just to see if they can just get away with it but i personally thought it would start but that is said that is the childlike optimism mm-hmm. that i have about baseball but it's it is the right decision i'm disappointed obviously but we have to do what's right for for the fans um um for the players you know it's i mean i don't as of recording i don't think there is a a um an outbreak as in amongst we certainly don't know if any baseball player has been exposed to it as far as we know um as far as i know anyway i haven't heard anything yeah it was only going to be a matter of time i think before someone did so it is the right call there was no point being selfish about it it's um you've got to be practical in this sort of thing so disappointing yeah but it's the absolutely 100 percent correct call Exactly, yeah. Like I, like I said at the top, I don't want to spend too much time on this. If you want to hear about coronavirus, you can turn on the news, you can look at your Facebook feed. Uh, I'd rather we just chatted some baseball today. But uh, all I'll really say is uh, if you're missing baseball, uh, buy MLB The Show because I bought it yesterday and I will talk about it towards the end of the podcast. But uh, just stay sensible, uh, wash your hands. If you're not feeling well, stay in the house. And 
I guess we'll all get through this together because that's all you can really do at times like this. But uh, yeah, what you said about, you know, don't be selfish, be practical. Absolutely echo that. So, um, but yeah, we don't want to depress anybody. We are going to talk a wee bit about baseball. So obviously, um, last October, maybe maybe even went in November, I can't remember, but um, we had one of the weirdest World Series ever where uh, all seven games went to the road team, uh, Washington taking the World Series, their first ever World Series in Game 7 at Minute Maid Park. Now, it's quite interesting, obviously, uh, to talk about this a few months later because now... <laughs> I think I think me and you were uh, not not in complete opposites in terms of how we wanted this series to go. But to me, I didn't really care. I was like, I was quite happy to just see you know a decent series, and we kind of got that. So I was quite happy. Uh, in retrospect, I think the whole world is really happy that uh, the Houston Astros didn't take it. But um, we'll get on to the Astros stuff and might blend into this as we go. But um, Thomas, I guess uh, you um, you as a New York Mets fan, I think you have a wee bit more of a, a rivalry with Washington at the moment, although obviously the Phillies one is building. So um, taking obviously how you feel four months later with what's going on um, out of the equation, what's what's your thoughts on Washington winning the World Series? Um, I'm in a better place with it now. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, yeah, I, yeah as I have a ridiculous visceral hatred um with the, with the nationals really it it does um go in part because you know they have been the main rival since I've started following baseball hey, hence why I said during you know the the postseason that I would have been perfectly happy to see the Braves you know progress throughout I've got nothing against them because mainly but I didn't live through the 90s you know you know well I did but I I wasn't watching baseball in the 90s and and you know and the early 2000s when the Braves were well um, to use an American term, they were uh, they were our daddy basically, um, and it was frustrating at the time, really. But you know, the Astros weren't exactly likable at the time either. And I know, I perfectly understood your thing, your your opinion, just that you couldn't really care less. And right now, I'm I'm more more happy to see the Nationals win it because they're. As much as there's a few players I don't like, there's a whole lot more players I like on their side than uh, than the Astros. And to be honest, their players, their actual roster, um, as I said, the, it's not really their player. I mean, with the exception of Harper, um, who I do dislike, um, it's <laughs> um, it was like I don't really have a problem with them. I I admire them. I admire their skills. It's their fans are really the issue that I have um, for the most part. And, you know, just like the silly rivalry that we do have. But I'm happy for them, um, as well as I could be, really. Um, I guess frustrated a little bit because I think they've done something that we sh- should have been able to do. But it's um, that's, you know, you drive yourself crazy if you think about that too much. But they fully deserve to win. And um, Steven Strasburg is a pitcher I, I admired since, you know, since one of the first times I saw him. Um, I... I'm absolutely delighted for him. Um, uh, specifically, I'm delighted for Max Scherzer. He's worked incredibly hard to, to get this. He's he's you know about as wholehearted a pitcher as it gets. Um, you know, so there, there are a number of the players there that I'm that I'm happy for. Um, and, but I can't deny I'm happy that Anthony Rendon is no longer in our division. I can't deny that. 
<laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't say I can't say I'm going to miss him. To be honest, the guys, the guys, amazing. But yeah, from my point of view, like going into that World Series, it was like I didn't. I, I think kind of what you're talking about in terms of the eras. For me, it was like when I first started watching baseball. It was like obviously the Phillies and Mets have always had a rivalry, and at the time the Braves were towards the tail end, obviously, but they were still going through their 14 division titles in a row. Uh, Washington were Washington Nationals were still playing in Montreal. So to me, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You know any Nationals fans, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but for a long time I didn't care about the Nationals, but then obviously since since really, uh, when you look at 2011, and I think the Phillies won 100 games, Nationals may have lost 100 they, if they didn't, they were pretty close and then things just started to turn on its head for that point, and uh, the Nationals have obviously been a better team than the Phillies since then so that's frustrating obviously but in terms of the World Series like um, I, was quite, I, I just wanted to see a good series um, and we got that, so I was quite happy no real, um, no real distaste in terms of a rivalry from me, you know, and uh, that and that was at the time. Now I'm glad they won because uh, I, I'm not like obviously it would be. I still think it would be naive to pretend the Astros were the only team who were at it, but um, I also think it's naive to pretend we know everything about what the Astros were up to. So um, no sympathy for them. Uh, there's a part of me that's quite happy, you know that they, not so much their fans spending the money, but they played four games in Minute Maid Park. If they'd won one of them, they'd be champions right now, and they lost them all. So a bit of gallows humour on that one, so I'm not really going to complain. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was a good World Series. Um, I thought that um, the Nationals in general had a good had a good postseason, obviously. They were, they were down in Game 5 of the Divisional Series, looking like yet another year where they were going to bog down there, but um, came back in, I think, the eighth inning, won it in extras, and... There you go. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's very belated. Uh, things got in the way when we were trying to do podcasts in October and November. But um, I, I do say congratulations to the Washington Nationals and don't grudge it at all. So <laughs> fair play to them. Yeah, correct. And I would just like to add that, yeah, I agree that it would be nice. I also believe that it would be nice to think that they're the only ones, really, because it would just be not only naive, it would just be downright ridiculous to believe that that they would be the only ones to be honest but it's um yeah i mean there was even rumors about the 1986 mets that have resurfaced since in the last few months so um you know so i you know you know one of the most famous um one of the most famous home runs ever you know was in the i can't remember the the, the year exactly but it was in the early 50s and and the the, the Scottish-born guy for the uh, the Giants, well, Bobby Thompson. Name? Bobby Thompson. He hit that famous home run, and you know there's heavy evidence or strong circumstantial evidence to suggest that the, you know the, you know the Giants, you know, on that ridiculous, I think they had a ridiculous run like forty and twelve to win the season or something daft, and they that it was. I think it was something like that. I think they were miles behind. Yeah. Yeah, and it was they, uh, they, yeah, they were using some sort of, I don't know. It was like I can't remember what it was. It was like some camera or light sort of system from the, um, uh, like I don't know, the outfield, you know, like an outfield fence or something like that. So it was, so they were using it then, and it's been going on for a long time. You know, baseball is littered with dodgy stories and and everything. You know that, you know, look at you know the the. Chicago Black Sox, you know, it was, uh, you know, it, throughout history, we can't be too high and mighty about this because pretty much 
every single team has cheated in some sense. So it's um, and then my and I you know I don't do this lightly, but I've really got annoyed by you know a Met icon, um, you know Mike Piazza who said, "Oh, we would never do anything like this in my generation," and it was like, <laughs> Mike, your your, your generation you literally there was a there was a sustained cover up. Um, you know, throughout baseball, you know, where you all took drugs, uh, all took performance enhancing drugs, and you know, well, if Jose Canseco to be lead about ninety five percent of you, and and you were all cheating and going at it, and so it's like you, goodness me, you cannot throw stones in that glass house, my Piazza. I love you, but no, no, don't, please oh. don't do that. You know, it's um, it's just ridiculous, and I don't like it when this sort of thing happens. It's just like, especially the previous generations and that just not just in sport really just in general they can you know people kind of get all oh, my generation is better than this because we would never do anything like this and he says well every generation of sport of or just general you know in general just has its dark parts and you know it's it shouldn't be used as a way to just you know poke a stick really let's just say it was it was crappy let's move past it you know so it's um that's just no no be high you just can't be high and mighty about this type of thing no, exactly. And even even what even his argument, it's like my generation, whatever. It's like the only argument you can really have about what happened with the Astros is that, you know, oh everybody was doing it. But then, you know, the steroid era, everybody was doing it. That doesn't make it right. So to get high exactly. and mighty about what the Astros were doing and then have lived through the steroid era. I can't remember exactly what the story was with Mike Piazza in terms of the steroid era. And I, I I'm pretty sure there was accusations. I don't think anything was ever proved yeah, that was correct. He was never actually he he was he was linked, but he was never really conclusively proved, as far as I know. But he he was he was there, and I would not believe him if he said he didn't know. So he exactly. was complicit. He was at the very least he was complicit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I it's uh, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know what to I, I, I like the whole thing's a nonsense to be honest. But yes, uh, yeah. Uh, so obviously, like the Astros cheating, um, like I personally think the punishments were like really, really, really tame. Um, I thought that like when it came to it. Now, granted, I know that there's that probably that part of baseball where they're worried about the fact that you know it's going to end up a situation where oh we catch everybody and then what happens? We take everybody's first and second round draft picks, and what's the point in that? But I mean, they could have set a real example, and I honestly didn't think they did. So, um, interesting your thoughts on that, but I wasn't really impressed with the reaction for Rob Manfred. Uh, well, yeah, and everyone who's probably ever listened to this podcast and knows me on Twitter knows my opinions on Rob Manfred, but I think it was a hard thing. I mean, um, I think we have discussed this as well, so I'll have to just ask you again, like, what would you have sort of done? Because, like, I don't see what else realistically they could have done without basically banning them for a year, to be honest, or just basically taking them off the draft altogether for a season, which might have... Um, I, I don't know, maybe I've just not been following the gamers enough, uh, or, sorry, long enough to, to really be as outraged as maybe I should be. I mean, I am outraged by it, but the punishment to me, I was quite content with it, um, as, I, I, as I wouldn't have expected much more than that. So, so, so if you're saying he was lenient. He says, so what else would you have done if you were Rob Manfred? 
Well, to me, right, and I know, I know when it comes to, like, I'd, I'd, I'd have to preface this because I felt that the investigation into the player's role was very, very swept under the carpet in my point of view. And that's the problem is that, like, I, I think there should have been real ramifications for the players. But, okay, yeah, I mean, fair enough. Like, when we see a scenario where, um, obviously, like, AJ Hinch and general manager, whose name I forgot, are gone, um, and then you see the situation where Alex Cora gets binned, and then Carlos Beltran, who was a player at the time, gets binned. Yeah, I know that we're. I know. I know that we'll have to go into that with you shortly. But um, to me, I just felt like it was. The, to me, I felt the the investigation and the players was insufficient because you cannot have a situation like this without the players being complicit. Obviously, so to just act like oh, you know. Uh, the players, there, there's nothing we can do about the players. To me, was um, avoid like to me, it was like avoiding avoiding real real sanctions without. And I'm not saying you ban half the team for the season, but like I would have liked to have seen a scenario where they actually really investigated. You know who was, um, and I know obviously a lot of it depends on people talking, but I'd like to I'd like to have thought they'd have really had to look into. Um, the players, whereas it just felt like they sort of had a quick skim, said, "Oh, you know, um, we the the players did this, the players did that, but whatever." I just felt it was really inadequate, and I would have liked to have seen a scenario where, like, you treated it like, say, a PED ban, like you know, just be like, right. I know, obviously, Al Tubi was the name who came up a lot. Um, if there was anything where you could you could implicate Al Tubi, just be like, right, fifty games, you're gone. Yeah, and I I think that is that is fair. It was uh, having a look back on it. The, yeah, the, the investigation into the players was a little tepid, and basically their sort of round about assumption seemed to be was that oh, uh, Carlos Beltran was in control of the whole thing essentially, and and everything. You know, it's as if you know just and he was in control of it, and he, and that was it, and that was their justification just for. You know, not doing anything else really. That's what it felt like a little bit. It felt like, well, they were putting it all on Beltran, even though I do think that he was a huge exponent of it. And it, if you know the talk is true, then it was basically him and Cora, basically, you know, um, put on intended, but were at the core of it. And it was just, um, it you know, it's hard. I don't think you will ever gonna get a get punched on it to pleased everyone but it was um i know what you mean i mean i says i think the minimum they needed to do they did but i do agree they could have um investigated the players a bit more and maybe and yeah maybe they have got off a little light but it is i do agree that it probably does depend on people talking a little bit because all it needs to do is that the astros players just to sort of like keep everything in house and just you know refuse to talk essentially and then you know, then as little Manfred or anyone else can do, really, and it's um, it will depend on maybe Alex Cora, Carlos Beltran, you know, or some other whistleblower, other than the uh, the pitcher that I can't remember the name of right now, who who I think was one of the original whistleblowers, who, who you know, who set this the guy for the White Sox. Pardon? Was it the guy for the White Sox? Might have been, yeah. I can't remember his name, but he... video where they were showing the trash can uh, yeah. um, 
is it John Boy on Twitter who I quite like to be fair. Oh, there's uh, that as well. Yeah, but it was real real video. Oh yeah, there's that one. I have seen that. No, it was the one who was actually on the Astros that did it. He was actually on that 2017. He was one of the pitchers that's now ah. left. But I can't remember his name. But he was, like, and he. Um, but yeah, without hard evidence, it is going to be hard to sort of like to pinpoint. And it's just maybe going to be one of those things where you know fans are just going to put their own asterisk, you know, like some fans do with Barry Bonds or you know, or you know, Joe Chula's Joe Jackson or you know anyone who has got any contract, Pete Rose or anyone like that. I think. It is just going to be for the fans that really. I think I don't think there's ever going to be anything. Certainly not whilst they play. I I get the feeling one of them will eventually um, do a book a bit a bit like Jose Canseco style. You know, once they're done, they'll you know do a tell all book and then you know the shit will hit. Sorry, the so and so will hit the fan. Yes, yeah, sorry, I didn't want to offend anyone listening. But you know, <laughs> the proverbial hits the fan, and then so I think it will be like I don't know, say. For argument's sake, it's George Springer in the year 2040 when he's, um, you know, just coming off his last season playing for the Baltimore Orioles, who have had their 30th consecutive losing season. Um, you know, so it's, you know, it's something like that. I think there'll be something like that. I think it'll be when they've retired. I don't think we'll find out really for a, for a couple of decades, I don't think, sadly. And it's because I just don't think it's realistic. Yeah, I, th- I think so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was difficult, but, um, yeah, it was a... Uh, either way, it cast a, cast a bad light on uh, on baseball. So, um, yeah, w- wasn't very, very, very pleased with it. It was shy PR. And I think it's something we've talked about before. Baseball has always been terrible at marketing its stars. And That's to spend right. the whole off-season uh, at a point as well, sort of like that, January time, where like all the other major sports leagues are happening in America, NBA's on, NHL's on, NFL's in the playoffs, and the only thing people can talk about with baseball, in a time where it's like I'm quite happy for baseball not to be in the news. All they can talk about is that, and it's like oh, for fuck's sake. So uh, yeah, but bad press for baseball seems to be um, the norm. So what can you do? But uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll get off the Astros. I know this is an NLEs podcast, but you know it has uh, effects on baseball, so we can talk about that. And obviously, another thing that's uh, major league wide is rule changes. Um, I, I think we, if I remember rightly, we had the disagreement about the uh, three, the three, what is it, the three batter minimum or something for relief pitchers? Uh, yeah, that's 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 right. Yeah, I. I... I can't remember I, what I said. What did I, what what did I what was the disagreement? Because I generally can't remember. I well, I I I'm, I know I'm in the minority, but I like it because I fucking hate. Um, I hate like I, I'll always blame Tony Tony Larusa, even though he was the only one. You know, like when something happens, you you associate it with one person, even if everybody's doing it. Yeah, it used to piss me off something severe when you would see like Tony Larusa, um, coming out after every at-bat to change the relief pitcher. And it was just like, oh, for fuck's sake, just get on with the game. You know, yeah. so um, that used to wind me up, to be honest. But um, I think the three-bar minimum, I can I can obviously, like, see the arguments again against it. I can obviously see why I, I, I think, anyway, that I'm in the minority in supporting it. But to me, it's like, it goes back to something else, right? Um, 
Rob Manfred obviously wants to speed up baseball. And yeah, this will work. But I also feel like this is not obviously about this rule because I like it, but I feel like he's so desperate to speed up baseball and he doesn't know how to do it. Yeah, to be, to be honest, I mean, it's that I agree. I mean, it's, um, I agree. I don't mind this one so much, this um, three battle moment. I think that has a lot of, um, you know, scope. I think that could work, um, you know, so, and I, and I do, you know, I do sometimes get out. I mean, it's, I think, since I started following baseball, the worst exponent of it, quote quote unquote worst, um, and he did win three world titles doing this was um oh god, uh Bruce Boshi. Um, you know, oh, yeah, he, he was bad for it he, as well. He, he was mad for it, yeah. And it, you know, it did did work, you know. The the Yankees manager when they won, you know, several world titles in, in the fifties, um, he did a lot of that as well, you know. It was uh, but you know, times do change, and you know, I think we should be moving past this specialized one because I think pitchers should be able to just pitch up righties and lefties. You know, they should. I, I, I think eventually we'll get this was going to happen anyway, so I'm not too fussed by this, to be honest. I think, but my because being a cynical sod, my I don't think. Rob Manfred does these things because he's doing it for baseball. I think it's because he wants to stamp mark his own um, legacy. Um, I, I'm very, I've always been very skeptical of about his motives, really. And it's um, like he's he's all about himself, really. He's, he's he's all about promoting himself and all about promoting his his legacy, as far as I'm concerned. I don't think he's doing this just to you know better, better baseball. He's doing it to better Rob Manfred. Yeah, I think I think there's always something with uh, people who um, they're trying to, you know, a lot of it's like they're, they're trying to create a legacy. Yeah, you know, like I, I feel like too many commissioners in all different sports, all they're trying to do is uh, create something that will make them remembered. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's not about you. Just fucking make sure the game works. That's all that matters. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Now I, I've always been one of those people that like I I I do feel that um, baseball can be so stuck in its ways sometimes, and uh, I'm always quite happy for you know things to change if it's for the betterment of the game. Like um, I know I know it's I know like I used to be in the minority of this, and I probably am not anymore. But like if they want to bring the DH in the in the NL, I won't miss pitchers batting at all. Like don't get me wrong, like there's obviously like some. Uh, specific examples like yeah like i miss people like bartolo cologne buying but i mean bartolo's not coming back anytime soon so that's kind of irrelevant but yeah like uh, uh, what i have noticed the past couple of years is i've lost the tolerance for um you know like the eight hitter loading the bases with two outs and you just know the innings probably dead <laughs> you know yeah, I, I, am, I, I am sick of like rallies ending because of circumstance so um yeah. um Happy. I'm more than happy to see the DHN in the N- in the NL. Now, granted, that might erroneously go on Rob Manfred's um, legacy if it was to happen. Even though, really, it would be up to the the, the owners and that in the National League, so it wouldn't really be his decision at all. But yeah, um, I I like the three batter minimum just because I'm like I said, I'm, I'm sick of watching people just you know micromanaging their bullpen, um, but. It's inter- it's interesting either way because um, I- I'm always quite happy. 
and it's one thing that American sports have obviously always done better than us is that they've been very good at, um, you know, adapting and changing things. I mean, and you, you know what it's like in football, you know, like, you know how long it takes to change anything uh, over here. So the fact yeah. that they're always submitting ideas, they're always trying their best to make things happen. I've, I've always been a fan of that. So um, whether I'm as excited about what Ram, Rob Manfred's doing, uh, is another thing. Now, obviously, there was, I can't remember the specifics, but there was obviously um, uh, additions to, like, uh, game day rosters and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think there was anything else that was really that newsworthy that was changed with, uh, apart from um, the three-batter minimum. Correct me if I'm wrong on that one. But No, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think. I mean, isn't it? So it's this year when it's it's 26 now, isn't it, now that you, you have, and you get, and there was something about, like, there's, one is it one less pitcher that you're allowed, or one less reliever that you're allowed on the roster, or something bizarre like that? I think that is also down. That is something. It's something to do again with the three batter minimum. I think he he wants to um sort of like reduce the need for you know the specialist lefties or you know that you bring in for Anthony Rizzo or 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 you know Jerry Gallo or whatever. You know, it's just. Um, I th- I'm sure there was something like that, but I gotta admit, it it doesn't really interest. Gotta admit, it doesn't really interest me. Like, I mean, the, the one I guess the the DH, you know, for that I mean, it looks like that could be. It's a matter of when, and it could be next season. Um, and selfishly, from a Mets point of view, that you know that could be sort of ideal for us because it, I mean, we look at, I mean, we shoot shoehorn people in, you know, to the outfield when they can't play there. You know, mm-hmm. someone like Dom Smith, but he's got a great bat. You know, that one he was always worried that he would be used as a trade chip to get someone because, you know, he can't play first base because Pete plays there. You know, it's and um although not that Pete's a bad first baseman, but you know, we could put Dom a you know, first base or put Pete the H in, you know, it would um um you know, or platoon him when facing a righty. You know, it's just uh you know, I don't mind the DH idea for us really because maybe it's I tend to just beat the drum of the National League rules, but mainly because I think I should. You know, right. like like feel like almost obliged to. But I um, I'm not I'm not that bothered by that. If that happens, which I think it will do, um, it was I think it's always inevitable. And anyone saying whether well, is really kidding themselves, really, it is going to happen or something. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree completely. Um, but yeah, um, I it's uh, it's going to be interesting what happens uh, in terms of rule changes because I think the DH is coming in the National League. I think it is. So um, and I, c- I can see it in the next two three years. To be totally honest. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, the rumours are that it, it even could could be as early as next year. To be honest. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, Talk about some off-season moves, I guess. I suppose the big one that me and you'll have to talk about is uh, Zach Wheeler. Um, obviously, been a Met for the last few years. Signed a um, five-year, $118 million uh, deal to uh, go to the Phillies, which, I mean, it's hard with the money because, like, um, when it comes down to it, really, the money in baseball is so mad that it's almost impossible to, like, um, get to hit up on it, but um, I mean, obviously the Phillies needed to do something about the rotation and uh, yeah, that that to me was uh, 
was was a good move. Now, not necessarily because it hurt a rival, because you know, I don't I don't think that should ever be the um, prevailing motivation in making a, a move like this. Certainly, you don't spend one hundred eighteen million dollars to hurt your rival, but um, if that's you know the law of unintended consequences, then so be it. Now, I remember speaking to you at the time; you were kind of pissed off about it, but. Um, would you have given five hundred eighteen to Zach Wheeler to stay at the Mets, or what's your what's your thoughts? Absolutely not. Um, once as, I was disappointed when I thought when he when I thought he was going to the Phillies, but once I saw the the money involved, I was like, well, I'm quite glad we, we stayed away from that because that is for someone. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Wheeler. I think like his upside is huge. He has got a he would be a nice. Uh, this may be a big thing to say, but I think he would be a number. A top three guy on on almost any staff, you know, if he can just iron his, iron out his mechanics and everything. Because a couple of years ago, we saw for that half season, I think in twenty eighteen, when you know what he can actually do, you know. So we've you know it was. I mean, we traded him. We, he was the one we got when we traded Carlos Beltran um, um, to the Giants uh, way back then, and it was. But for five five years, 180 million for a guy who is injury prone, has inconsistency issues. Um, you know, I wouldn't say you're welcome to him, but he says like I'm. I I won't want us to be spending that money. Um, really, you know. So, and you know, our our rotation is fine, even without him. Really, even you know, you got the inconsistencies. Well, actually, I don't even know what we were going into the season well, because we basically got six starters. So I don't know what we were actually... I think we were moving towards Matt's going to the bullpen, but I'm not sure. I'm, I think personally you overpaid, but but I think the Phillies felt they kind of like needed to. And I think by the sounds of it, Wheeler held the cards. And I think he knew that, you know, so because Wheeler, won, I think, was more inclined to go to Philadelphia because I think he's not where his wife is from or near near what she's from near Philadelphia. So it's just easy um for her, for, for Zach. Um and, you know, I wish him well, I not exactly good luck, but I you know, I, I wish that he's that he does a decent job for you. I think he will, but I do think you've overpaid on I would never have given him that many years, yet alone I probably would have gone topped out at two years plus an option. Some a vesting option, um, you know. So that's about as where I would have gone for Wheeler, but so it's a big gamble. It could pay off, and maybe in five, in a few years, I could look like an absolute idiot. But um, I think the Mets um, did the correct thing on this occasion when faced with that amount of money. Yeah, I think I think um, when it comes to free agency, like when it comes to player values, it's not always about being good that's about being free if that makes sense um so like as a player you're as well hitting free agency if you can um and in terms of getting the most dollars like yeah for some people it's going to be negligible but for most people if you get to free agency then you're all you're you're in theory going to maximize what you can make whereas if maybe a couple of years early i, I suppose like the grom did with the mets if a couple of years early you go out and uh you know you decide you're gonna, um, you're gonna you're gonna sign your deal and stay with the team you're at. Like I get it, don't get me wrong, um, but and I'm sure like it might be a scenario where like 
the Grom hits free agency and it's not that different. And obviously there's risk as well with pitchers because, I mean, we talk about the five-year deal that uh, Wheeler signed and we've seen it plenty of times with pitchers. Their fucking arm falls off. So, um, like, the, a lot of it's unknowns, to be honest, um, when it comes to that. But if you hit free agency and you're at the peak of your powers or certainly at the peak of your ability to make money, you know, I can't, I can't blame anybody for doing that. And I think um, it's, it's very difficult when a guy hits free agency to see the money and go, Christ, that's a bargain. You know what I mean? It almost never happens. Like, I think the only bargains you really see are like, was it, was it um, Ozzy Albies last year with the Braves when they signed his extension? Yeah, I don't think they were. I don't think that was the only because did they do similar with um, one of their other young players, um, Acuna? Didn't he sign a similar-ish sort of deal as well? Or I don't know whether I'm getting mixed up with with Albies again. I'm not but sure. He, yeah, but I'm sure they I think, I think, both. Yeah, I think you're right, actually, because I think Acuna signed yeah. an extension. Now, obviously, they, they were miles away from free agency as well, and it bought obviously, a few years. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, like, when you actually look at how much guys are getting in arbitration now, by the time yeah. those guys reached arbitration, they could have made a fortune per year. Yeah, and apparently the the one, the, the even like Alonso, apparently he's, his contract is like one one of if or if not the most expensive contract for a guy in his in his sophomore year. Um, you know, so he's like some like six hundred fifty thousand dollars he's on this year. Yeah. Um, that he got given. So he was um. So yeah, it's it's it is a strange one. I got to admit, I the only thing I would criticize them is because we went through the middle half of last season, you know, kidding ourselves that we were still in the race. You know, we had a great second half, but we wouldn't we would have had to just done, you know, miracle Braves of the nineteen tens, you know, that season to, to get back in back in the race. But so we should have flipped Wheeler. That's the only thing I'll criticize us for because we must have known like what Wheeler wanted. You know, so I think we should have flipped him because you know there was a lot of interest. The Astros were interested in him, and you know, you know, so we could have got uh, something good for, uh, back from them. You know, so it's yeah, that's the only thing I was just because I think like we kidded ourselves of a either that we um, could reach the postseason or that we could change Wheeler's mind on obviously what he wanted. But it was that's the only criticism I'll label at him. But um, but you know that's the market. You know I won't criticize the Phillies too much because you know as I've just said you know we, you will overpay. You know that these these things happen. You know so it's and you know if you're desperate enough and the Phillies are in the middle of this window, um, you know it's they're not quite at the. To me, I still think they're not quite there. I think they're getting there. Um. Um, I think there's one or two things need to be ironed out with them, and I think it's still think they're a season or two away if this season even starts. That is, yeah. uh, I, mean, if- I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> think the way the Phillies are constructed right now, they're a contender. Like they're maybe a contender and get wild card, but um, yeah, they have to have so much go their way to be an actual contender. So um, yeah, I like, obviously that obviously that's not to say you don't make moves like this because you're always trying to find ways to improve your team. Uh, and, you know, when you sign a pitcher for five years, that's not necessarily because you think you're going to contend in year one. But, yeah, it's uh, – yeah, it's uh, – I thought it was an interesting move. But, like I say, it's very, 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 very rare when you see a guy hit free agency and then he signs for a team and you go, bloody hell, that's a bargain for the team, you know? Yeah. The player always gets looked after pretty well. I mean, you even see, like, very – and I'm not saying Zach Wheeler's like a, 
uh, top level starter by any means. But you always see these really mediocre pitchers getting like 16 million a year. And it just goes to show the value of being able to, you know, draft properly or make good trades for prospects when guys are so affordable the first few years compared to that. Like, yeah. I mean, it's obviously the it's obviously like the model of teams like the Tampa Bay Rays and stuff like that. But, um, like just just when you, especially if you're a smaller market team, and obviously the Phillies and the Mets aren't, but when you're a smaller market team, if you're able to bring through good prospects, and they're so cheap the first few years you've got them that like you can't afford to go out and you know spend big money on free agents. That if you were just an average team trying to build through free agency, you'd never be able to build a contender that way. And to be perfectly honest, it's incredibly hard to build a contender that way by just by being a big market team as well, as has been shown numerous times. But it's it's a, it's an interesting deal. Now, obviously, we, we touched earlier about, uh, about Anthony Rendon going to the Angels. Um, it's never really a running joke about the Angels that, like, that should be a very good team now, but... I'll believe it when I see it with him making the playoffs. But uh, we touched on it earlier, obviously. Um, Rendon's a fantastic player. Can't say I'm going to miss uh, having to play him 18, 19 times a season. Yeah, and it's uh, that's quite the uh, thing to put on uh, Carter Keyboom, isn't it? It says, like, no pressure. You've just got to follow Anthony Rendon. Yeah. Know? So he's. I think he's going to be the one... If this is, um, you know, to, to to fill the void, I think because I mean, there's Wilmer Defoe, but he's, uh, I think he's more of a middle of the infield kind of guy, really. He can play third, but I think most most of the games he's played in his career are sort of at second and short. I think so. Um, Key Boom's going to be the starting third baseman. Um, I think he's only hasn't played that much, but they obviously have a lot of faith in him because they haven't gone out and traded or bought one. So, um, yeah, they just. I know, well, they've got Stalin Castro in, so that's sort of a middle sort of infield utility, really, I guess. Um, so that's not sort of too bad, but they've sort of basically stayed status quo, really, in Nationals for the most part. But obviously, apart from the huge one of Rendon, they've sort of like, they've kept, you know, um, Hudson, Zimmerman, Kendrick, Cabrera, uh, Gomez, and added, um, you know, a really... Stute signing Will Harris. I was I was kind of hoping we would go for him, um, really. So I think that's a handy, a bit of bullpen help as well. I think that the bullpen looks uh, pretty decent. I think they've even added uh, Eric Thames from the Brewers as well. So just a nice, la- decent sub left-handed bat. Um, but yeah, they've they've done what they need to. They've kind of kept Strasburg. I really was convinced that he'd go, um, as well as Rendon and. But Strasbourg staying now for his peak years for the rest of his career is, um, you know, he deserves that contract after the last couple of years he's had and the World Series he had. So, um, yeah. So, you I mean, they've had a pretty decent off-season. I'd say the Nationals haven't done anything too spectacular. Um, but obviously, they, but they've done the very least they needed to do, which was get keep Strasbourg. Um, so, so there still should be a contender for the wild card next season I think yeah I think so I think so and I think realistically like going back to what I was talking about like the Nationals obviously have guys like Juan Soto Carter Kierboom who are on like um, you know team friendly deals for the next few years the Braves have uh, the guys we talked about on very team friendly long term deals it just gives you that flexibility to be able to go out and make moves and yeah I expect them to be I expect those two teams to be pretty good for a while. That doesn't mean they're going to be in the playoffs every single season because shit can happen. But 
Um, it's hard to really look at the way those two have built rosters and think that they are going to be on the slide anytime soon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Braves have had a, a really good off-season as well. They've sort of added some... Um, I mean, they've kept Darren O'Day, which is I've always been a, a fan. He's, he's very strange to look at sometimes, but he's... Uh, He's incredibly effective. And I mean, since his debut, only Craig Kimbrough or Aldous Chapman and Ken Lee Johnson had better ERAs than him yeah. in terms of relievers. So you know, considering he doesn't have swing and miss stuff, it's um, it's pretty impressive that. And they've got Will Smith as well. Three years, 39 million. You know, I mean, last couple of years, he's below three in FIP and top six in FIP ERA aerial plus for left left-handed relievers. So he's consistently there or thereabouts. And, you know, the, Sort of kept Chris Martin out of Cole Hamels, you know. It's, um, you know, and you know, even a like a sort of low risk, um, high reward moves in Marcelo Zuno and Travis Darno, you know. So I think they've just been, they've not made anything too outlandish of deals, you know. They've not gone, gone and got a huge free agent, and they've got mainly pretty experienced heads to go with the, um, uh, they're young studs, so it's. I like sort of the balance the Braves had. They've sort of, they're pretty much doing the same thing as they've been doing for a few years. They're just incrementally getting better each year, and um, I do like how they do business. To be honest, their, their front office, it's nothing too spectacular. They just, they just do what they need to do, and I think it's. Um, they have a very sensible way of doing things, and it's. Um, I, you know, I, I like how they they've done things, and it's. Again, I, I, I think uh, the division title is on the way for them. I really do. I think it's going to be another tough division this year um, once we get going. And it's, but um, I can't see past the Braves. Really, they do look the class of this division to me. I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. But uh, I, I think, I think um, whatever happens, um, you would imagine that. In a normal scenario, the Braves and the Nationals are obviously the two best teams in the division. I don't think the Mets and the Phillies are hugely far behind, but I think it's fair to say there's there's a gap. Um, what do you think of the Mets off season? Solid. Um, not not um, again, not too outlandish. I was delighted to get Dylan Patances. Um, obviously, I'm a huge fan of his. Um, he can be. He has his inconsistencies sometimes, but the again, I think it's sort of low risk with one year high and then the higher reward really. Uh because his he, on his day he can be an unbelievable um a ridiculous pitcher out of the bullpen. And you have the very idea of him setting up if Edwin Diaz can saw out saw out his crap. And um and you know he got Brad Brock and Justin Wilson as well. That that bullpen on paper looks fantastic. Um uh, you'll notice I just completely ignored JS Familiar as I try to do. <laughs> um, and you know, even like trading for someone like Jake Marisnik, I think that's very unlike the Mets. And I was nice, pleasantly surprised. You know, his his bat's not great, but um, defensively, I like it because certainly since I followed the Mets, we've certainly not been a side that uh, puts a premium in, premium on defense. Certainly in the outfield, um, so that was nice and pleasant. Michael Walker, I've always been a fan of. Um, so I think that's a perfectly decent move. You know, low. Uh, low risk, high reward. He's he's been throwing it good in spring training, um, through you know between ninety three and ninety five miles an hour consistently. So, um, so I I, I kind of quite like that. Porcello's experienced. You know he's won he's he's won a World Series. He's won a Cy Young. So, um, it's perfectly fine. I mean, um, 
the idea of Max being in the bullpen was a little bit odd to me, but that looks like how we were going to do it. I was expecting J.D. Davis to be flipped for some bullpen or pitching help, so I was delighted for him to stay. I was pretty much the same with Dom Smith. I was expecting one of them two to to go, but so I was delighted we managed to keep hold of them. So I think we've we've pretty much stamped Pat really. I think we've changed changed an awful lot, and but I think we've we've done okay. Um, I think so. Um, you know, and plus add the fact that we didn't give Wheeler the, the huge contract as well, I think, which was the right thing. I think we've done, you know, we've rejected ridiculous trades apparently like for, I think McNeil's been courted this this winter. I think he was, his name was even mentioned with regards to maybe getting Lindor, um, you know, so because Lindor was heavily linked in, in the winter, but I don't think it ever got past any preliminary stage really. Um, so, yeah, I was... Pretty happy with how it looks, um, really. I mean, it doesn't look spectacular on paper, but um, I think it's just steady. You know, it gets a pass from me. I get that. I get that. Phillies has been, other than the Zach Wheeler move, um, it's been, you know, reasonably quiet. Obviously, there was the Didi Gregorius pickup, which is quite interesting. Um, I mean, pretty much everything else was quite uh, unremarkable. Like uh, Corey Dickerson went to Miami. I mean, he was always going to go somewhere. Um, Cesar Hernandez and Michael Franco are gone. So um, those are semi-interesting moves. If you're a Phillies fan, no one else could possibly care. Um, yeah, other than that, really, there's not a huge amount in it. But obviously, I, I love the I love the pickup of uh, Didi Gregorius, uh, 14 million a, uh, for one year for him. I think that's I think that just makes sense, to be perfectly honest. And yeah, so the, the Wheeler and the Gregorius pickups pretty good. Um, so obviously I like the Phillies off season. It's been slightly understated, but um, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. To be honest, it'll probably be good enough to, on paper, if everything was normal, it'd probably be uh, enough to get them over the eighty-one wins hump. But probably not a huge amount further. To be perfectly honest, I don't see. I, I just I, I, there's still too many holes in that team, and I mean they started the season well last year. I think purely because most of the stars were pitching over their head. And, yeah, <laughs> you know, that was always going to be unsustainable. And when that became, when that wasn't sustained, uh, things started to go wrong. And obviously, if Wheeler coming in, good pickup. Uh, so you're looking at Aaron Nola, Jake Arrieta, um, Zach Wheeler is the top of your rotation, which is pretty good. Although I do feel like Arrieta is in decline. I don't think there's any denying that. Um, but, yeah, the the end of the bullpen, end, sorry, the end of the rotation, and just not a lot to really shout about, to be perfectly honest. And I mean, obviously, it's impossible to speculate about what's going to happen. But I mean, the Phillies bullpen was a bunch of old guys who kept getting injured last season, um, which was frustrating. But even then, when you look at um, who they've brought in this time, there's not a huge amount there that you're thinking, oh, that's going to make a massive difference. So, uh, fairly understated um, off season. I think that overall. It was kind of what it needed to be in some senses. Maybe could have done with an extra uh, starter. But um, I think the big thing, obviously, for the Phillies is getting JT Real Muto tied up long-term. And I don't think they're a million miles away, but um, it was certainly one of those situations where I think a lot of us were kind of hoping that um, it would be done by the start of the season. And, I mean, obviously, we know we know what's happening, but... Um, it didn't look like there was any chance that was going to get done. So 
Uh, yeah, overall, I I feel like that's the only real disappointment for me is uh, the fact that Real Muto isn't um, signed up on a long term deal because he's a guy that the Phillies can't afford to um, to uh, you know like uh, he's not a guy, he's not a guy the Phillies can afford to just let walk. Yeah, I must be a little surprised that 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 uh, that that is still going on. I thought I thought that they'll be number one, um, you know, on on the board to do for the uh, uh, for the Phillies um, this winter. So I was a little surprised that they didn't get that done. So, but maybe maybe they are just a little far apart in what they want. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see with that one, I guess. Um, but as I said, if they don't, it makes no sense for Phillies not to. Last thing, Real Muto is going to hold all the cards, and I'd, I'd will he will stay, I believe. But I think Real Muto is just, you know, being the cynical side that I am, I think he knows that um, that the Phillies will have to maybe overspend like they did on Wheeler in the end, you know. So he's sort of maybe waiting and waiting and waiting, um, and you know, because and then just getting the most out of the Phillies he's going. So I think. I reckon he probably will stay. I think I, I don't see him anywhere else at the moment, but uh, because the Phillies will have to, because it just makes no sense for Phillies not to. If the Phillies are, are serious about becoming a force again, they're going to have to tie down Real Muto. He's the best offensive catcher in the game, arguably. So it's just um, and a pretty decent offensive one too. So it, it's it's not someone you can't when someone you got someone like that, you traded for someone like that, you cannot allow him to leave. Without you know, really digging your heels in, really. So it's, and I do think that Real Muto is sort of waiting to see how much he can get, as much as anything. And whether I don't think that rule of result in free agency. I think like by August, by September, it'll all be sorted. I think, but um, uh, yeah. But I must admit, I was surprised. I was expecting it to be done by now. Uh, but you know, it, you know, shit happens in baseball. So, um. But yeah, I mean, it's it's been an interesting off season pretty much throughout um, our division. Really, I mean, the Marlins were probably the busiest. Um, they they were pretty busy, to be fair. Like the Marlins yeah, yeah. are in off season. Yeah, Corey Dickinson, which I, I, that caught me by surprise. But was, Corey Dickinson, I always found an interesting guy because if you actually look at his his stats, and I was looking at them the other day, and they were pretty much as I imagined them. They're pretty consistent throughout, but he never seems to be anywhere very long. So I don't know whether he's a bad teammate or anything, but he just never seems to be anywhere more than a few years. And even this deal is only two years. Um, and then, you know, they got Jesus Aguilar off waivers, another low-risk, high-reward. Um, the switch pitcher, Pat Vendetti. Um, I think that's him anyway. He's a spring training invite, so that'll be... He's always fun. So fingers crossed he, get, he, um, he reaches the roster. Um, you know, even like underrated pickups like Amy Garcia from the Dodgers, um, Brandon Kinsler. You know, they traded for Jonathan VR as well, which I think is a an underrated move. I think I, I think you know he doesn't miss many games as well. He could be an interesting trade chip um, um, as well. So uh, yeah, I think I mean fair play to them. They, they've they've gone for it a little bit, and I think they. Um, you know, I know we're not going to start the season on time, but like I kind of like think that it would have been enough to add at least about ten wins to where they were last season. I don't. It was um, they're going to be nowhere near the amount they lost last season. If you know we had a full season, I think because that and you know you had the fact that Wyatt 
Chen has left. That's arguably the best bit of business the Marlins have had all postseason, all off season. So it's um, that's very handy for them. So yeah, I was I was pleasantly uh, surprised and, and and pleased for them that they were very direct in their in their business and and um, you know not stingy. You know they've um, they've spent their money. You know they put the money where their mouth is and well done to them. So it's and obviously with the the studs that they've got coming through and um, hopefully. The Marlins can just sort of start moving in the right direction now, and they're certainly making the slow strides to do that. Yeah, definitely. I am now. They're obviously still far away from being a contender, but they're certainly they they don't look like a team that would uh, be what they were last season. <laughs> they 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 kind of look like a a ninety loss team rather than a, than a one hundred loss team, which you know. It's a step in the right direction, and that's all you can really do. Uh, I know, obviously, for the Marlins, they are a small market as it comes when it comes to um, fans and uh, ability to spend money. But you know, I quite like I quite like their off season. I thought it was sneaky good, um, especially considering you know, like they do feel like a team that has been tanking for a while. I know tanking in baseball is far less of a thing in that uh, than it is in say basketball for example or even the NFL just because of the nature of how the drafts work uh, when you draft a player in the NBA and the NFL they're straight in your team doesn't really work like that in baseball so but I feel like overall they they had a good off season uh, I'm quite I'm quite pleased with what they did um so yeah I still don't feel like they're a contender but at least for the first time in a while I feel like they're going in the right direction so fair play to them yeah they're not a uh... They're not going to be uh, like uh, beating up on, you know, like they were maybe sort of last season. Because like when they when they lost bad, they lost bad. Exactly. Um, it, it really. I mean, when they, I mean, what I mean is, uh, I should should say like when they were bad, they were they looked dreadful. But it, it's uh, but you know there was the odd the odd moment where they looked sort of decent. You know, they got some good pitching there as well. So it's like I don't think, as I said, I'm I'm glad for them because you know we want we want. This whole division to be competitive, you know. So it's, um, you know, and the Marlins tend to be fun when they're good. So it's just, you know, there's, you know, they've had a couple of memorable post seasons when, you know, when they do, um, you know, when they've won the World Series. So it's, uh, um, so you know, it, it might be, might be fun to see uh, the Marlins sort of, sort of good again. So it's, yeah, I'm just, I'm just glad for their fans really, and they're moving in the right direction and. And yeah, hopefully by you know in a few years we could have a you know a, f- a five-way competitive division um, with a bit of luck. Yeah, exactly. So um, now obviously there's not going to be a 162-game baseball season this year. Uh, I said at the start that um, we're going to talk about. Um, I mean, there's no point in speculating as to when uh, baseball is going to happen. Um, there's no point in guessing. There's no point in guessing. You know. If there's going to be a 2020 season, this is going to be a situation where we just take it day by day. But um, I have a I have a solution that I want to pitch. Um, now, obviously, like a lot of it will depend on when things happen, what happens. But um, I think that obviously, like I mean, over here, obviously, football's cancelled. Uh, you got like a, 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 was there like nine games left in the English Premier League at the moment? I know there's eight games left left up here in the in the Scottish Premiership. Um, yeah, so, about, yeah, yeah, about nine games so, left in the championship as well. Yeah, whenever whenever things get back to normal, uh, there's going to be some obvious decisions to be made in terms of 
how you wrap up uh, what's been happening, if you wrap up what's been happening. Um, but uh, I have a solution for baseball. Um, and, like, obviously, there's a part of me that would hope it didn't come to this because that would mean that it uh, got sorted earlier. But if you wanted to have a 2020 season and you had hardly any time to do it, I think what would be really fun would to would essentially to have a knockout tournament. Now, I know, obviously... Um, there's 30 teams and you're wondering how to make it work. And I would simply suggest, right, you uh, you essentially do it as like a round of 32 and you give Washington and you give the Astros a bye. And that way you've got, and I don't know how, I don't know how you put the teams together. I don't know whether you do it by last year's record. I don't know whether you do it by literally a draw of a hat, but um, let's just play seven game series, a uh, straight knockout. If it comes to that, uh, that way, uh, in my scenario, you have uh, 28 teams in the first round. You have, obviously, a winner from each one, which makes 14. And then when you add the Astros and the Nationals, you end up with uh, 16 teams. And once you get to 16 teams, a single elimination tournament is easy as anything. Now, I would I would, I would, suggest, you know, let's just do it that way if it comes to that. Let's, let's essentially have everyone in the playoffs will play uh, basically seven until there's a winner. I think that would be quite fun. I don't, like, I know, you know, I know there would be people who'd be like, oh, you know, it makes it feel a wee bit cheap or blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, sports leagues are going to have to get creative um, based on what's going to happen. So if you can have baseball in 2020, I think that would be a fun way to do it, to be perfectly honest. Now, uh, like I said, I don't care how you assign the teams together. I don't care if you do it by record. I don't care if you literally just draw the names at a hat. Uh, if you've got more time, maybe you can even play for seedins. You know, like you can do whatever you want. But I, I would like that to be perfectly honest. And I think, you know, um, people are going to miss baseball over the next few weeks. And however long after that, it is not there. Regardless of, you know, things being more important than baseball, uh, it's always nice to have a distraction. But I think, I think like, if it got to say August and we were feeling like we were ready for baseball again, I think you could have, I know it wouldn't be spring training, but you know, whatever version of spring training you'd have in August. And then you could just batter through it in September and October rather than, you know, you're not, you're obviously not going to be playing baseball in November and December, you know? Um, I know some places that would work, but places like Colorado, for example, that would be a nonsense, but you know, it's, it's, Obviously, it depends what happens. Obviously, it depends how long it takes to get back to normal and how long it'll take to get to the point where we can, you know, start doing things normal again. But it's just a thought. And uh, I'm interested to think what you think if we just literally had everyone in the playoffs and we had single elimination. Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I like the idea. Um, you know, if it, if, if it came to that and just, you know, I just won baseball, to be perfectly honest. So if it was something a bit different like that then and if it came to August and you know if we came to like what would be the all-star break and we just sort of thought well we still have not got anything and you know that we could just do July and August as an extended spring training and just start in the end of August or something and then um and then have this then then yeah why not I mean it's you know baseball's baseball really and you know either way you know not just baseball but all sports gonna have to be a little bit creative um um, so yeah, I, I I don't see anything particularly wrong with that. Um, you know, it seems almost too perfect, really. I, I many I guess because like we've 
sort of all grown up, we, you know, we'd knock out tournaments in, in our own sports, you know, right. and so it's in Britain. So it's, so we're kind of used to this sort of system. So, you know, it might be a hard sell to the average American, but it's just, um, just tell them it's baseball. What do you want? <laughs> you know, so yeah, yeah, like this, this is a thing. It's like, if you end up, if you end up like in a situation where like, you've not got a lot of time, it's not like you can, like baseball is just designed that way where like it's really hard to have like an abbreviated season. I know I know the other sports kind of are as well because like I mean they play what is it eighty one I think it's eighty one or eighty two games in both the NHL and the NBA. Now obviously the NBA had a lockout a couple of years eh, sorry, the NHL had a lockout a couple of years ago where they went to like a forty eight game regular season and that was quite fun. But uh they yeah, like the like there's no point in trying to think of a million solutions as to how we're going to do this season if it happens. But I think it's obviously like, you know, it was just an idea that popped into my head and I thought, you know what, if that's what has to happen, I think it'd be kind of fun. Yeah. It's a good, as good an idea as any. And uh, we'll wrap up with a bit of chat. Um, Obviously, you know, if the worst comes to the worst then you're stuck in your house, Uh, there are ways to have a 162 game, 2020 baseball season. Uh, MLB The Show is officially released on the 17th. Uh, it did come out um, on pre-order uh, yesterday. I picked it up. Um, it's quite fun. I won't lie. Uh, I, I, like It's one of those weird things. Uh, I feel with a lot of games, like, I, and I'm quite harsh when it comes to reviewing games. Um, and I, I mostly just play sport games, to be honest. Now, I'm a football fan. I tend to buy FIFA, though, I'll admit. I haven't done that this season. Um which is weird considering I did a whole uh, I did a whole YouTube series uh, of a FIFA career mode last uh, for FIFA 19, so it's kind of weird I've not bought this one, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, obviously Madden, uh, I'm an NFL fan, so I tend to buy that. And uh, MLB The Show, um, I think when you compare it to the other games, MLB The Show, if I, if I can say nothing else about how I'd review it, MLB The Show is always the game I have the least complaints about. So um, I've obviously like... It only came out yesterday. I've not played it that much. Uh, I only tend to really play Road to the Show, which I think is a fantastic game mode. Um, and yeah, everything I've seen so far, I've been quite pleased with. So yeah, uh, I like the game. I like some of the little changes to Road to the Show. I'm literally only like maybe a week into uh, like a season in Double A, so you know I haven't seen everything. But um, I did obviously when the reviews were coming out, have a look at what was going on and. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm quite happy with the changes they made this season. I, I will make one complaint, and uh, I might be the only person in the world who does this, but uh, I remember in some of the old MLB The Show games, um, like, basically, because you, you don't play this game, do you? No, I play Out of the Park. Yeah, we'll get on the Out of the Park. Um, I um, there, was, there was an addition a few years ago where, like, on the screen, when you're batting, for example, right, um, the opposition pitcher... Um, it'll have like the list of his pitches on the screen and on the screen used to be um, the speeds so it's like sort of the average speed of like his fastball or his change up or all, and all his different pitches right but the only way you can find that now is the pause menu and that kind of annoys me because like now it's one thing like you know if you're playing like say say you're playing like a career mode for ages and you're in the major leagues and you're in a specific division that's got pitchers you know you, you, you don't have to check but when you're playing in double A you know, you don't you don't really know who anybody is. Never mind how fast their fastball is, for example. And it just helps to really have a gauge. So, 
Um, that's 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 literally like one of my nitpicks. Um, there's probably a few others I could do, but um, I, I, I genuinely feel as somebody who plays a lot of different sport games, I always feel like MLB The Show is one that is uh, definitely head and shoulders above the rest. Now, obviously, uh, just because of the nature of baseball, we know it as fans. The only criticism I can have of, uh, and it's not the game's fault, is that it's so time-consuming. You know what I mean? It, it, like, a 162-game season is just, you know, it's just a slog. And, like, see, realistically, like, I, and I, I was thinking about this, if you do a if you do a hitting career in MLB The Show, and I have done one that's gone years and years and years, but you just do so much gaming, it's unbelievable to get that far. And uh, to me, it's like, even if you turn off base running, you turn off fielding, and you just hit, it still takes forever, you know? So... Um, if you want like the full experience with your guy of doing like all the fielding, all the batting, all the base running, you're probably lucky if you can do a game in under an average of say ten minutes. And for a 162 game season, that's a lot of gaming to do one season. So, um, like I say, that's not really a criticism of the game itself, but you know, just one of the unfortunate side effects of um, you know playing a playing a baseball game and wanting to play multiple seasons, but. Uh, such is life. Um, I actually remember um, one year I bought one of the NBA games, and what I used to do was just send the regular season and play the playoffs because, like, and if I don't make the playoffs, then so be it. Because to me, it was like, you know, who the fuck can be arsed playing? Um, like, like your best case scenario um, in in basketball, for example, is you win sixteen games. Uh, you win all sixteen games to win four uh, to win four series in the playoffs. Who the fuck can be arsed playing 80-odd games before that? So, yeah. But uh, a game that can be more uh, as time-consuming, if not more time-consuming than MLB The Show, but also has the uh, added bonus of, you know, if you... It, I like the customization. You can set it up however you like. So you can rattle through seasons. Is uh, Out of the Park Baseball now. Uh, that's your game. And that's coming out what, next week, is it? Next Friday, yeah. Next um, Friday. Uh, what... Give us, a, give us a wee review of uh, Out of the Park for anybody who hasn't played it. Well, now, obviously, I mean, you can't review this year's one, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not clever in. Uh, but it is, um, yeah, I, I kind of like it. I tend to be like a general manager on it because it enables it. You can do it um, two games. I'd say you can get through a, one game in a few minutes. Um, I'd say, it, depending on the how quick you want to get through the games, you know, that there's. It's literally if you just do game by game, you can just and you know um, you can you don't have to go through pitch by pitch. It literally is like the the end of the end of the pitch sequence, if you know what I mean. So you can do it pitch by pitch if you want, but you can do it to the end really, and you could control the base running and like what you know. Or if you're pitching, you can uh, you can like you know like if you got a guy in first base and you got I don't know Billy Hamilton at first or something, you can pitch out or anything like that. So you can control it like that sort of way, which I like, but because I do like to just do seasons quickly and like and everything. And I kind of just love the idea of building your own team. Um so I kind of um do tend to go as general manager. Um I quite a few years ago I went as the the Reds and I just absolutely I tanked essentially. <laughs> you know, yeah. I you know I, I, I traded Votto, I got rid of all of them, you know, but I I, I but won the World Series like you know, in about five or six years, even after tanking. So it was, it, it, it is being, certainly being general manager of the, the team is, it's quite satisfying. 
uh, to be honest, because you know you get the satisfying of building a winner, you know, and 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 everything. So it's um, you know, in some ways, it is like a rather sort of I don't know. It's you know you get to sort of see all sort of different sides to it. Like I kind of like appreciated a lot more the you know how you know deal with contracts. You know the um, you know like taking on con part of a contract to get rid of a guy you know it was like it's not someone i really appreciate into the last couple of years really which i can i just kind of quite like the the financial side of it really it's very you tell like i uh i come from a father who drilled excel into me you know so it's <laughs> um i'm a, I'm a bit of a math nerd so it's um i get that from from my father i think but it, it's so i kind of quite like the financial sort of side i think it's quite interesting mainly because baseball is sort of through that anyway it's quite a, it's quite a cynical capitalistic sport in that sense um and it's not a criticism of it you know that's, that's life um you know and it's all about being pragmatic sometimes you know so it's um yeah i just kind of i mean you know but sometimes i would like to just do all season but i can i do would do it quickly or simulate it quickly just or as quick quickly as you can without basically simulating the whole game so you kind of like do it at bat by at bat, and it says he could have it done in a, in a few minutes, really. So it's, uh, but yeah, I tend to go as general manager, and because I think I've just find it highly more enjoyable, and it's you know doing it that way. I think I've gone up to twenty fifty or twenty sixty in the past, so it's um, you know, and that only takes me a few weeks, you know. So bad. it's yeah, it's not too bad. So I, yeah, I'm looking really looking forward to it. Um, it's about the third or fourth year that I've got this. Um, um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting it. It's next Friday as well, so I can probably binge it on Friday night. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I never played the MLB the show, um, and I, I, to be honest, I've always gone away from using that sort of video game on a laptop because I, I find it very difficult, especially because I've now got a Mac. So it's just like I find it like very difficult to use like sort of the keyboard rather quickly and for things like that. that's why I. I've never had FIFA on a laptop. I mean, I haven't had FIFA since I was about 16. So yeah. it was, um, you know, and that's when I had a PlayStation 2, remember them? Um, yeah. uh, but it was, yeah, I just kind of in, enjoy it. You know, it's, I said, everyone, I said, but maybe one of these days I'll try MLB the show, but it's not usually my makeup to do it. And I say, so I do like the simulation and the general manager, the sort of the back office sort of side to it. I kind of, enjoy that side of it um, as well I've, I've certainly grown to it certainly the last game i got i certainly grew to love that part of it yeah another unheralded game uh, was um a baseball mogul uh it's, it's kind of like um the same ideas out of the park though a lot 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 more basic um and i used to buy that for quite a few years i've only bought it in a while actually um but I rem- the only thing I really remember from that is like, because I'm the same as you in that sense. It's like when you have a game like that and you're building a team, it's like what you really want to do is like you take over a team and just dismantle it and then rebuild it. That's that's the fun. You know what I mean? And uh, like I can remember, I can't remember what team I was at the time, but I remember I traded for uh, Brett Jackson, who barely had a major league career. Um, I, know, I, know he, I know he played for the Cubs. He played for someone else as well. Um, hardly hardly played in the majors but uh, i remember i remember i used to always go like 
someone like Baltimore or like quite often I would go Baltimore or I'd go Toronto or I'd go Tampa Bay because it's that way where it's like, you know, you've got a small market team in a really difficult division to make it as difficult as possible. And I remember playing as one of those teams. Uh, I One of the guys I picked up was Brett Jackson when he was in the minors and he ended up breaking Bond's home run record over his career. That was fun. But... Uh, <laughs> Other other than that, um, yeah, it's just it's it, just games like that are pretty fun to be honest. Out of the park, like I would never I would never claim that a uh, baseball mogul is better than out of the park because I have played both, and out of the park is like an amazing game. And um, when it comes to baseball mogul, it's much more simplistic. But sometimes you know, like you know, like I like I like I I think when when playing sports games, I like as close to a realistic. Um, as close to a realistic simulation as possible, but you know sometimes you just want something simple and fun, and uh, that was that was certainly what baseball mogul was. Without being too like dumb, if that makes sense, it's always been quite a fun game. Um, but yeah, that's that's the one that always sticks out in my mind when Brett Jackson broke the the all time home run record. That was class. Um, like literally, it got to the point where like he was like thirty. I remember he was like thirty eight years old. And like basically, your guys are rated out of a hundred. They don't really tend to get above ninety-five, though. You occasionally get a player at ninety-six. And the rating, like just as an overall rating, and the ratings are quite fluid as well. Um, so like you know, you could be you could be a player who's say like an eighty, and then it comes to like the middle of May, and he's hitting like crazy. Um, it might go up to like an eighty-three, for example. But then you can have the other thing as well. You can have a guy who's. Uh, you know, like a good prospect, and because it never really works out, he just he just flames out. And that was one thing I quite liked about that. Um, out of the park's probably got a, a similar scenario to that, but I do remember with Brett Jackson as well. It was like I got to a point where everybody in my team was over eighty comfortably, um, including my bullpen. And then I'd have him batting eighth, and he was like thirty years old, and he was like a sixty-two overall, just to see how many more home runs he could hit. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was ridiculous. But that, that's that's always been a game I kind of enjoyed. So um, yeah, but I would recommend MLB the Show. It's always uh, a great game. It's always a lot of fun. I think the only frustration for a lot of people, if you if Road to the Show is what you like, is it can take ages to get from the the the, the longer that series is gone, the more it take the longer it takes to get out of the minors. And it's one of those weird things. Like you know, you play through the minor league experience, and when you first do it. Um, it's really fun, but like you know, I, I think the first MLB the show I had was like 2006 or 2007. So when the new game comes out and you've got to spend another fucking ages getting out of the getting out of the minors, it's just a pain in the arse. Um, and there always used to be ways around it in some of the old games. Like, but now if you don't sim, if you if you sim, then your guy just doesn't get any better. So you have to play all the games, and that can be a pain in the arse. But Nah, it's a it's a good game that I would recommend to anybody. So, uh, I guess we should probably wrap up. This has gone actually much longer than I expected. Uh, Thomas, as always, a uh, pleasure to talk baseball with you. Thanks for having me, Jody. No bother. Uh, hopefully, uh, if you listen to this, hopefully, you know, um, bit of a distraction. You know, if you're worried about what's going on, but uh, yeah, um, just stay safe, look after each other, and be sensible. Stop buying fucking toilet roll in bulk as well. That's a pain in the arse. But uh, Christ knows when we'll have another podcast, to be honest. Um, we might we might just come on uh, at some point soon and just shoot the breeze, depending on what's going on. But um, yeah, um, other than that, uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. And we will talk to you again sometime.